Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Energex Renewable Energy's 2021 Third Quarter Results Conference Call and Webcast. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique et à la web diffusion des résultats du troisième trimestre 2021 d'Energex Énergie Renouvelable. At this time, all participants on the phone and internet are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors, and instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would also like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded. And I would like to turn the conference over, over to Karine Vachon, Senior Director Communications. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'd like to specify that this conference will be held in English. Members of the media are invited to ask their questions by phone after this call. A presentation supporting today's discussion is available as we speak on the homepage of our website at www.energex.com. This call contains forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Although the corporation believes that the expectations and assumptions on which forward-looking statements are based are reasonable under the current circumstances, listeners are cautioned not to rely unduly on these forward-looking statements, as no assurance can be given that it will prove to be correct. Forward-looking information contained herein is made as of the date of this call, and the corporation does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a result of events or circumstances occurring after the date hereof unless so required by law. During this call, we will refer to financial measures that are not recognized according to international financial reporting standards. Please refer to the non-EFRS measures section of TMZNE for more information. Our speakers today will be Mr. Jean-François Nau, Chief Financial Officer, who will present the Q3 results, and Mr. Michel Atelier, President and Chief Executive Officer, who will review operational items. And I'll turn the conference over to Mr. Nau. Thank you, Karine, and good morning, everyone. Our third quarter result posted growth over the same quarter last year. Production, revenues, and adjusted EBITDA were all up 13%. These increases can be mainly explained by the contribution of Ilcrest, which includes a $6.2 million U.S. compensation received from the EPC contractor for loss of revenues due to the delay in commissioning. Also by the consolidation of Energia Lima results since July 9, 2021, and by the commissioning of the Griffin Trail facilities. These items were partly upset by lower revenues at the wind and hydro facilities in Quebec and by higher operational expenses at the Quebec wind facility. Revenues proportionate and adjusted EBITDA proportionate were up by 4 and 3% respectively. On page 8, 
For the three-month period ended September 30th, 2021, the hydroelectric power segment generated $62.5 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 1% increase compared to the same quarter last year. This result is mainly explained by the consolidation of Energia Lima results, which includes now three hydro assets, namely Duqueco, Guayacan, and the recently acquired Lican facility. These factors were partly offset by the fire incident at the Cayique Creek facility and a lower contribution from the facilities in Quebec due to lower revenues. The wind power segment generated $45.6 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 6% decrease compared to the same period last year. This decrease is mainly due to lower revenues and higher operating expenses at the Quebec facilities and to lower revenues at the Ford City facility. This decrease was partly offset by the commissioning of the Griffin Trail Wind facility and by a higher contribution from the facilities in France. The solar power segment generated $29.8 million in adjusted EBITDA. The increase is mainly explained by the contribution of Elcrest and by the higher contribution of the Salvador and Pampa Elvira facilities in Chile. This increase was partly offset by lower contribution from the Phoebe facility due to lower revenues. On page nine, for the quarter ended September 30th, the joint ventures and associates contributed $22.7 million to adjusted EBITDA proportionate compared with a contribution of $29.7 million in the same quarter last year. The decrease is due mainly to the consolidation of Energia Lima's result and due to a lower contribution from the Toba Moros facility due to lower average selling prices. In addition, the proportionate production tax credit contribution decreased from $13.2 million to $10.7 million, mainly attributable to the exclusion of the results from the Flattop and Shannon joint ventures and to lower PDCs earned at the Fort City facilities due to lower generation. This decrease was partly offset by the production tax credit earned at the Griffin Trail facility following its commissioning. Continuing on page 10, compared to December 31st, 2020, the increase in long-term debt is related largely to the debt assumed in the Energy Alima and Lican acquisitions. The draw made toward the construction of Hillcrest and Griffin Trails projects, the corporate loans repayment, partly offset by the proceeds received from the public offering of common share and the Hydro-Quebec private placement applied against the revolving credit facilities. On page 11, compared to December 31st, change in the total asset resolved largely from the Energy Alima and Lican acquisition as well as to the Hillcrest and Griffin Trail commissioning. The total assets were also impacted by an impairment charge related to the Phoebe Solar Facility in Texas, reflecting an outlook of lower than expected congestion charges, and by a decrease in investments in joint ventures and associates explained by the Shannon and Flattop facilities. 
Changes in total liabilities stem mainly from the increase in long-term loans and borrowing. The change in shoulder equity is mostly explained by the issuance of common share upon acquisitions, the public offering and Hydro-Quebec private placements, as well as by the total comprehensive loss and the dividends declared on common and profit share. As shown on the next page, the normalized free cash flow has increased by $11.4 million on a trailing 12-month basis. This increase in free cash flow was mainly due to the contribution from the recent acquisition achieved in 2020 and 2021 and from the commissioning of Hillcrest and Griffin Trail Facility, a decrease in interest payments on the corporate revolving credit facility concurrent with the Hydro-Quebec private placement, and a decrease in interest payments related to Altera loan fully reimbursed in January 2021, an increase in revenues from the facilities affected by the BC hydro curtainment which impacted the second quarter of 2020, and an increase in distributions from joint ventures and associates, primarily due to a distribution received from Energia Lima in the second quarter of 2021 prior to closing. These items were partly offset by an increase in debt principal payments stemming from the Montaner and the Energia Lima acquisition, an increase in free cash flow attributed to non-controlling interest stemming mainly from the Montaner acquisition, and a decrease in cash flow from the Phoebe facility due to an unfavorable basis differential this period compared to the same period last year. For the trailing 12 months ended September 30th, the payout ratio amounted to 121% of normalized free cash flow compared with 124% for the corresponding period last year. As you already know, on September 3rd, 2021, Energex has completed a $201 million bought deal equity financing and a private placement of $50 million with Hydro-Quebec to maintain its 19.9 ownership position. In total, 12.8 million common shares were issued. Net proceeds were used to fund the acquisition of Curtis Palmer, and the remainder will be used for general corporate purpose. Before I conclude, I would like to add that the 2021 projections were revised to take into consideration the below average water flows, wind regime, and solar irradiation in most regions since the beginning of the year and the exclusion of the results from the Flattop and Shannon joint ventures. The new projections were positively impacted by the acquisition of the remaining interest in Energia Lima of Lecan and Curtis Palmer. We now expect our revenues and adjusted EBITDA to grow by 10% and adjusted EBITDA proportionate by 2% instead of 12% growth for all measures as previously disclosed. Also, we were very pleased to have held our first investor day in September, during which we provided an update on our 2020 to 2025 strategic plan. Despite lower financial projections for 2021, the target 
provided that the investor day remained unchanged and were already excluding the impact of Shannon and Flattop. On that note, I will give the floor to Michel for the operational review of the past quarter. Michel. Thank you, Jean-François. Um, and uh, good morning, everybody. As you've seen, uh, it has been uh, a quarter where the weather didn't uh, cooperate so much with us, uh, starting also in BC, mainly in BC and, and some other places. And of course, uh, the, uh, the fire uh, in Kayak didn't help uh, neither. Nonetheless, we've been quite busy in that uh, quarter, as uh, you heard also uh, from Jean-Francois. Uh, we've been uh, busy in completing acquisition and working uh, also on our development and construction. So not, uh, not so happy with the uh, quarter result, but uh, there's something we cannot do. Uh, weather is not something we can control. Uh, just to give you a heads up, and I know the question will come later on, but uh, the, the beginning of October and November looks uh, much better being uh, uh, the bigger contributor are BC. BC is uh, is doing a very strong uh, uh, strong October and November, and also a very strong win in, in the U.S. So so far, uh, the quarter is uh, online on our uh, long-term average. Uh, the fourth quarter should be well, still a month and a half to go, but uh, it's starting on a, on a good foot. Uh, to come back to the initiative that we have done uh, during the uh, the quarter, uh, the growth and development initiative, I'm on page 15, uh, interjects has acquired the remaining interest of Energy AIMA, as Jean-Francois said. Uh, it's part of our strategy, and then, and then concurrently, we, we did announce also a smaller acquisition of a 18-megawatt uh, LECAN. storage. The idea of Chile, uh, as we mentioned, is that we want to have a diversified portfolio and we want to have some storage capability. Uh, we'll also be looking to put battery in Chile in the future. Uh, I think that uh, what we have seen uh, for people that have not uh, looked into the uh, market in Chile uh, this, sum this summer, this summer, but the winter for them, uh, we've seen a, a spike in pricing in result, uh, direct result in the price of natural gas going up and also the fact that they're committing uh, more and more commitment towards closing the, uh, the coal. So we've seen a big improvement in terms of uh, pricing. And I think that uh, we'll see overall in, in the near future a discrepancy between solar hours in, during the day and evening uh, and night. So we think that uh, battery will, uh, will have to play a good role and definitely small hydro uh, with uh, storage capability will also be very beneficial. So the idea over there is to uh, is to have a diversified portfolio, like I said, and now owning 100% of the Yaima will be a lot easier for us to achieve this uh, uh, this goal, and also making sure that we uh, could put a, uh, a, a, a I would say a better uh, financing strategy behind these uh, these uh, this portfolio going. Uh, in the future. Switching to on page 16, uh, also very happy with the acquisition of Curtis Palmer. Uh, we announced that uh, in during the uh, month of August. We just concluded the transaction uh, a, few, uh, a few weeks ago. 
very happy to have these uh, these projects in the portfolio. Uh, of course, very uh, very proud and, um, and and happy to have been successful in this uh, acquisition with Hado Quebec. I think that uh, together we'll be uh, a good team in order to put uh, value into these uh, portfolio on the long term. Uh, in the meantime, we're seeing a very good cash on cash uh, from this acquisition, given the fact that they uh, still have some PPA uh, remaining in these two uh, these two assets. So the idea, as you know, uh, for our uh, M&A is to uh, focus more on the uh, early cash on cash. Of course, we want to have long-term value associated also with these acquisitions. But if we can find acquisition that also contribute on uh, on our cash-on-cash uh, cash, uh, for the next few years, as you know, this is uh, part of our strategy to help our payout ratio while we're still developing and creating value in the prospective and development activities. Talking about development activities, very uh, happy also to conclude the uh, the uh, commissioning of Griffin Trail. That project uh, was, uh, was uh, I guess, put on a fast track last year when we saw the, um, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to apply for the PTC extension uh, rule. So very happy to have been able to uh, conclude the development and the construction uh, in time and in a little bit under budget on, on that one. Uh, as uh, Jean-Francois alluded, uh, this uh, was a good contributor uh, during the quarter. We're happy to see a uh, little bit firm, uh, well, better pricing in uh, in Texas also. And uh, we don't have a power hedge on this thing. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, the production is exposed to merchant, uh, as you uh, as Jean-Francois mentioned. But uh, remember that we have also a PTC uh, in, in these uh, projects, and the PTC are fully indexed for the next 20 years. They're representing at roughly $25 per megawatt hour. So it's roughly half of the revenue or the contribution, financial contribution to these, uh, to these assets. So it's, uh, it's not fair to talk about uh, a project in Texas with PTC being fully merchant. We have, like I said, uh, at least 50% of our revenue uh, are based on uh, PTC and potentially also REC uh, uh, sell uh, on the long term. Continuing also on the uh, activities, construction on Tonnerre and Inavik are progressing well. Inavik uh, uh, construction was, uh, was advancing well. Uh, mind you, that uh, COVID and uh, shortage of uh, of uh, skill uh, skill worker worker have put a little bit of pressure on many construction sites in in Quebec, especially the one that are far away, like Inadik. But nonetheless, uh, uh, construction has advanced uh, very well. We are still confident to reach the COD in Q4 uh, next year. Tonnerre, a little bit the same thing, a little bit of uh, logistic uh, to uh, to have all the equipment being uh, delivered to the site. Now we have all the equipment in place. The transformer has been uh, delivered to site. Uh, commissioning activities have been uh, initiated, so we're hopeful to uh, still meet at the end of uh, this year as a COD. It might slip uh, into January, but the team are busy trying to, to reach the end of the year as a, a COD. So this again is uh, an interesting project because, uh, as we uh, as we said before, uh, this is the first commercial uh, battery 
cell with the uh, Hydro-Quebec Hevelo uh, division. Uh, we're working very closely with them, trying to find other uh, area or uh, market so that we can de- uh, deploy the, that technology. We're very confident on the great um, uh, value of uh, this technology, very safe, and I think that uh, Hydro-Quebec is committed with uh, top-notch uh, engineering behind this uh, this product, so we're very um, enthusiastic to uh, see how it's, uh, it's going to be performing in the next few years. Uh, continuing on the development activities, I've uh, been busy uh, in Hawaii by uh, finalizing a lot of uh, permit, permitting, finalizing also equipment. I know that uh, the buzzword in our industry right now is uh, how much uh, uh, inflation uh, are we facing in our construction costs and and, uh, and also the, you know indirectly the uh, logistic to uh, deliver uh, equipment. Uh, it, it's a challenge like everybody uh, everybody in our industry are facing. Uh, but we were lucky to be uh, to have been very proactive in negotiating uh, in advance uh, the battery with Tesla. The best uh, system has been negotiated a few years, well, not a few years, but uh, before. So we don't have any inflation built in in, in these. Uh, we had also a secure supply agreement with uh, solar panel. Uh, but we, we, we do have a little bit of uh, headwinds in terms of uh, logistic delivery and some inflation in the uh, balance of plan. But as an example, in Haile uh, uh, Kauai, we have perhaps uh, two to three million dollars. Uh, so that's two, three, two to three percent uh, uh, challenge still in uh, potential inflation in, in our project. So it's not super material, it's there and, and, the, and the team are working. Uh, Payao, it may be a little bit more, maybe between three and four million dollars uh, uh, potential exposure, depending on the cost of deliveries of uh, equipment and, and what have you. But I think it's manageable. Um, we uh, were working hard also in uh, continuing our development in Canal and Barbers Point. Uh, we will be, uh, we'll have a little bit more time to negotiate pricing and to see potentially uh, easing. Uh, um, pressure on logistic and delivery uh, cost. Uh, just to give you an idea, uh, container uh, a few years ago, well, not a few years ago, a year and a half ago, uh, to go to Hawaii was uh, costing around $3,000. Now uh, we have seen quote as high as 16. Uh, we have also pre-negotiated some, uh, some delivery of around $12,000 per container. So those are built in at our cost. Uh, but it's just to show you that there's a potential also to see these uh, these pricing to, to come down in the next uh, year and a half or so. So we're hopeful that uh, um, the effort from different government and, and other agencies to uh, ease that uh, cost pressure on transportation uh, should uh, translate to uh, potentially a little bit of a relief on uh, those two uh, last projects, Kanaha and Barbers Point. Uh, on other development activities, we have Frontera. Uh, as you know, Frontera is an interesting project. We need to have a little bit more clarity on finding a uh, a, uh, a buyer, the long-term buyers for for that project. But uh, I alluded uh, a few times ago, uh, a few few times uh, about San Carlos, which is on the same river, but just a little bit, a few kilometers upstream. 
Uh, we like St. Carlos uh, a little bit better. The cost to build the St. Carlos uh, is, uh, is lower in terms of megawatt power produced. And St. Carlos will have uh, also the capacity to basically store uh, four to five hours of uh, energy. And that project could, or that uh, storage could uh, benefit Frontera. So we're working also in advancing St. Carlos permitting in the meantime. And like I said, uh, looking to forwards to um, uh, potentially find a uh, off-taker for both projects, which uh, then would, uh, st uh, I, I would give us the opportunity to have a, a good financing and start construction. Rakura is a very small uh, three megawatt in Chile. We, we, we did put that there. It's just that it, we're, we're going to take advantage of the existing uh, infrastructure in Dukeko. There's a, a second uh, um, dam that are releasing uh, water into into the river and we're, we're gonna take advantage of that uh, release water at the bottom of the existing dam. So it's not a big project, but it's a profitable one and an interesting uh, a small addition to the Dukeko uh, facility. First, uh, also Lasne uh, 9 megawatt France, we only uh, own 25% of that project, but uh, it, nonetheless, it's, it's going to be a very interesting project. Uh, we're going to uh, be uh, going forward with that one into uh, potentially construction next year. So still waiting for interconnection service agreement. Uh, but hopefully uh, we'll, uh, we'll have the opportunity to start that construction uh, sooner uh, than later. Um, going a little bit fast on uh, project, uh, prospective projects, uh, as you know, we're working hard uh, towards uh, developing more projects uh, in the uh, United States, uh, France, and, and South America. Uh, Canada is also uh, right now, or Quebec is, is 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 come back to a I would say an active market with the RFP in Quebec for wind. It's a 300 megawatt uh, RFP for wind, but uh, also Hydro Quebec has uh, uh, said or, or released uh, their forecast for 2030, and it's encouraging uh, the consum uh, the consumption of uh, electricity in Quebec is going up, so uh, that's a great news for uh, uh, us uh, in, in future opportunity to uh, submit uh, further projects in, in Quebec. And eventually, I guess that Canada will also see a lot more activity, especially if the uh, price on carbon that uh, was uh, uh, discussed with uh, uh, the Liberal government, if this is uh, enacted and implemented, I think that uh, this will also help uh, the rest of Canada to move uh, forward with uh, future RFP. Uh, but our main uh, market uh, right now for growth is uh, France and, and, and the United States. Uh, some effort has been put, if you know, in Boswell. We are, uh, of course, uh, advancing negotiation with Pacific Corp. Uh, we have also the opportunity to discuss uh, inflation on on, uh, on project costs. Uh, so it's a good thing that the, pro the, 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 the PPA were not uh, completely finalized. So we will have some opportunity to get to discuss with uh, Pacific Corp. Remember that this is a 300 megawatt with uh, under 25 years PPA. We also have uh, Palomino, as you know, it's a 200 megawatt uh, solar project in uh, Ohio that is advancing well. 
we always have some challenge in uh, in development of a project, but I think that uh, our team has done a great job in meeting local uh, local uh, community, and uh, the project uh, is advancing pretty well on on that aspect. We still have to finalize the interconnection uh, activities, and we have also opportunity to discuss with our two off taker uh, the potential inflation in, in pricing. That being said, I think that uh, the price of electricity in the United States, especially for renewable energy, uh, have firmed up quite a bit, and a lot more corporate uh, off-takers are very interested in signing long-term contracts uh, to secure their um, their supply of uh, green power. Uh, you've seen uh, you know natural price, uh, natural uh, gas price going up, so obviously that has also firmed up uh, quite a bit some of the uh, price in the uh, price uh, target in in United States, even mid sea has been quite strong uh, this year. Uh, matter of fact, we have one uh, project in uh, in BC that uh, can benefit from the mid sea, and uh, mid sea has been very strong uh, uh, so far all the all the years. So we we're seeing a lot more activities, a lot more demand for uh, corporate uh, PPAs, and uh, our intention is to develop further project, as you know, uh, solar and wind. Uh, we've been very active in the Northwest and um, Midwest. Uh, again, we, we're we advancing, and uh, hopefully in the next few quarters, you will see more project coming into the active uh, development project uh, coming. And those uh, will be big ticket uh, project, uh, as you know, in the, in the States, especially in the Northwest. Uh, 200, 300 megawatt project can uh, be easily uh, developed. So quite uh, quite happy with uh, with our um, effort in the prospective project, and again, also France is advancing quite well. We have some uh, lead also on solar. Uh, we have initiated some development in solar that seems to be promising also in uh, in France. Uh, all in all, I guess that uh, little word also on the COP26. Uh, We've seen a lot of articles lately, uh, kind of, you know, in the last couple of weeks, uh, a lot of attention has been put on uh, on initiatives uh, around the world to curb the uh, global warming. So I'm very pleased to see that uh, a lot of uh, articles and a lot of uh, attention are now being put uh, in, um, in, 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 the, in front of the, uh, the public and uh, a lot of uh, financial institutions also have been committed uh, committing uh, more focused on ESG. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please stand by while we reconnect the host site. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please do not disconnect while we reconnect the host site.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So we're back? Please go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. We, we, we had a, a communication issue. Um, so I was saying that uh, I've been critics about the, um, the uh, ESG or the greenwashing, and I'm pleased to see that uh, I'm not the only one that was uh, upset by the way sometimes uh, uh, some ESG criteria or some uh, uh, green investment or even green bond has been uh, marketed around the world. So uh, like we said uh, so many times, we think that we have a great business. We're committed to only produce uh, renewable energy and utilizing also storage to uh, enhance the uh, penetration of green energy in many markets and eventually uh, green hydrogen as well. So pretty pretty pleased to see that uh, the focus now seems to be having more uh, scrutiny around these uh, criteria and uh, Interject is very pleased to see that uh, that new fact and uh, of course we're committed to uh, to uh, fully have more and more disclosure on our ESG and Kevin and his uh, and her team are working hard uh, in putting uh, good uh, good documentation in order to help you uh, assess our ESG rating. Also, one thing that uh, I'm very 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 pleased. Uh, some people that knows me uh, know that I was uh, quite focused on the methane uh, footage, uh, uh, emission. Uh, it's great to see the world now focusing on this. I think that natural gas uh, guys and industry have uh, gone uh, without much of a criticism on, on that aspect. And I guess on marketing uh, aspect, uh, calling natural gas what it is, it's methane. You know, more than 80% of natural gas is methane. And, uh, and I think that uh, people should understand that natural gas is, is a fossil fuel and methane emission will contribute to uh, warming the planet. So <laughs> natural gas is not so clean. It's potentially cleaner than, than coal, but it's certainly not as clean as uh, renewable energy. And I think it's uh, about time that the world is waking up to that fact. So on this, uh, we would open up the, um, uh, the floor for questions. Thank you, merci. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question, please press star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. Your question will be polled in the order they are received. Please ensure that you lift the handset if you're using a speakerphone before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have a question. And your first question will be from Sean Stewart at TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, uh, Michelle. You, you you touched on the the some changes to the prospective development pipeline, 
And there was mention in the MDNA of some wind projects in France and Chile moving to early stage from mid stage. Can you give us some context on, on what's happening with those projects and why they've moved seemingly backwards in the queue? Uh, yeah, well, in, in Chile, we, we had a, a small one, a nine megawatt that, uh, we, um, was not very material. Uh, we had acquired these, uh, these right a few years ago, but we're focusing more on bigger projects. So I, I don't think it's very material. And, uh, in France, I don't have all the specifics, but, uh, it was unfortunate that, uh, some, uh, opposition, local opposition has filed uh, a, a, I would say, in a position to uh, uh, to that particular project, and hence it was uh, it was kind of uh, reassessed in in terms of uh, advancement. Um, not big project again, but uh, yeah, it's not positive when when some of the projects that we thought were going forward uh, have uh, some setback. But uh, uh, Sean, I, I think the team in France. Uh, are not discouraged. They are, work, they are going to work uh, even harder on trying to, to develop uh, potentially other projects or, uh, you know, find ways to uh, to uh, assess uh, ways to to further further develop uh, the project that has been reclassed. But I can't remember exactly the name, Sean, on, on this. But we can certainly give you a little bit more color on it. Uh, that's uh, that's useful. We're, we're still encouraged to see overall additions to the, uh, the pipeline, even since September. Um, second question I have is, you, you touched on the 300 megawatt Quebec wind RFP. Can you give us uh, an update on the expected timing of that, that process? And, and as we look ahead to more growth, or more procurement over the next decade in, in Quebec, your perspective on, on the scale of the opportunity uh, size and, and timing of, of future RFPs to come in Quebec. Any, any thoughts there? Well, it'll be only my opinion, right? <laughs> in the sense that uh, Hydro Quebec uh, has uh, in, has its own on uh, priorities, but uh, I think that what they, they have uh, uh, give the market perspective is that Quebec is is a place where. Um, Hydro Quebec and Environment Quebec is open for business to have new uh, companies, uh, green hydrogen, uh, good uh, database uh, infrastructure that will need electricity and green electricity. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, greening also the aluminum industry, and Quebec is certainly well positioned to uh, take advantage of that. So I think that the uh, the story here is that Hydro Quebec has been good in commercializing and being, uh, uh, I would say, uh, a good um, uh, a good ambassador to Quebec in, in a sense that the Quebec and uh, Hydro Quebec has been willing to utilize Hydro Quebec as a tool to develop the economy in Quebec, and I think that uh, the green economy in Quebec is uh, top priority, and. Uh, I think it's only the beginning to uh, to see some very nice growth and good uh, uh, economy news in the sense to see more and more companies coming to Quebec to have access to reliable green energy. Uh, and so I think that uh, the, the first 300 megawatt is, uh, is a good start. How much uh, more megawatt we will see in the near future, uh, 
will depend also on the ability of Hydro-Quebec to finalize the, their interconnection with uh, the Massachusetts. There's still uh, quite a bit of energy there that was committed to, to be uh, exported to Massachusetts. But nonetheless, I think that the fundamental of seeing Hydro-Quebec being on the forefront of welcoming uh, industry that needs uh, green energy, uh, I, I think is uh, is paramount, and and we'll we'll, we'll see some good news I, announcement in the next uh, few years. I'm, I'm I'm quite positive about that. Um, so 300 megawatt uh, in 2026. Uh, this is what they they have announced. Uh, Hado Quebec is going to give all the details uh, later this year or beginning of uh, January. And I would be expecting a bid due uh, probably at this time uh, next year or first quarter of 2023 for uh, being able for us to complete uh, the uh, the development period and be able to uh, to put these projects in 2026. So that's my my two cents uh, on uh, what will happen with that 300 megawatt. That's uh, no, that's great detail. I appreciate it. Uh, that's all I have for now. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Next question will be from Nelson Ng at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Great, thanks, and good morning, everyone. Um, I just had a, I just want to start with a few questions on Hillcrest Solar. Um, so I think the budget has been kind of creeping up in the last two quarters. Um, can you just give a bit of color as to uh, what's causing the uh, cost increase and delay? Well, it's finalized now. Uh, we have settled with PCL. Um, it was, just want to be politically correct here, but uh, I think that uh, this project, unfortunately, didn't receive uh, from the PCL part the 18 that we were expecting to receive. And uh, a lot of uh, People have worked. Uh, if you remember, we mentioned that uh, at the height of the of the job, we uh, we had more than 900 people working on site. A lot of rotation, and uh, unfortunately, not necessarily skilled worker were selected, and that has brought a lot of uh, repairs that had to be done during summertime. Now, I don't want to get into too much detail in uh, in our contract uh, agreement with BCL, but we thought that we had a very strong case uh, to push back on some uh, demand from BCL. On the other end, uh, we wanted to close this project. As you know, tax equity uh, is uh, is committed to this project, and we wanted to to close uh, tax equity, uh, and uh, we wanted to. You know, finalize uh, all the agreement as uh, as soon as possible. So we think that uh, we, we think that uh, there is um, a merit to 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 finalize it. Now you will not see more cost increase. We have settled it. The what we have put in the MD&A is the final numbers. Uh, through those numbers, as uh, Jean-Francois said, we also were, were compensated for some liquidity damage in terms of delay. Uh, so no more costs will be seen in Hillcrest. It's done. Uh, project finance uh, will be repaid. Uh, the uh, the uh, closure or the, uh, the, the, the financial uh, closure for tax equity is scheduled uh, before the end of uh, November. So 
the all the the, the the I would say the cost and the the uh, potential uh, delay on financial close are now behind us. All the independent uh, engineer report has been uh, done and are now being uh, submitted to tax equity uh, for their review. So we are confident that uh, this is uh, this is the final number. Um, again, I think that uh, it was a little bit unfortunate. Uh, that that project was built uh, at the you know in the middle of the COVID. Uh, a PCL is a Canadian uh, uh, developer, and their subcontractor, their main subcontractor, Electrical One, uh, is also a Canadian one. So that had complicated a little bit their ability uh, to uh, I, I would say to to service that project. So all in all. Um, we're happy with the end result. Now the project is producing what it should be producing, uh, and we will be uh, uh, done with the tax equity uh, financial close by the end of November, uh, and we'll have a nice uh, project now in Ohio producing 200 megawatts. Thanks for all, all the color. Could you just repeat what was the uh, liquidated damages received, and will there be anything recognized in Q4? Uh, I think that the US, 6.2 million US, uh, and no, no more uh, liquidity damage are. So this is part of the final settlement with the EPC. So, so we're we're done. We we have recorded it in the Q3. Now the project has been fully operational uh, since then, and there's no more liquidity damage related to the non-performing uh, uh, assets. Okay, thanks. Uh, my next question relates to um, Curtis Palmer. I, I think there was roughly a, um, an earnout provision that has a cap of about 30 million. And I think it relates to um, the New York ISO market pricing in 2023, 2024. Um, but I, I believe the PPA at Curtis Palmer is, uh, Curtis Palmer goes up to 2026. Um, can you just give a bit of color as to um, what the earnout provision relates to, and under what circumstances would would you need to pay some uh, earnout? I don't want to go too much in the detail there. We'll we'll disclose it uh, when we'll uh, when we will settle. But it, it, it's uh, is the fact that there there is some carbon uh, initiatives that uh, are being uh, discussed, and if they are implemented, uh, that means that uh, the market will, I would say, I wouldn't say permanently, but will be affected for the long term. So that's the idea behind it, that uh, if those uh, initiatives are implemented, we will be in a position with Quebec to kind of secure our vision on the long, uh, long-term pricing in, uh, in the area. And, and there's a formula uh, agreed with the setter where we would be able to uh, agree on a, um, I would say, on a, on a long-term trend uh, for pricing. So that's the idea. Even though it's not necessarily uh, aligned with the end of the PPA, it's just that the initiative around uh, carbon pricing uh, should be implemented by that date and they should have a permanent influence on long-term pricing in the area. Okay, that, that's uh, that's good color. And then just one last question. You mentioned power prices are, are higher. Um, you have 
some merchant power price exposure in Chile, Texas, and I think other regions. Um, is this like, do you see an opportunity to like lock in higher prices by entering into contracts or, or, or do you want to, um, uh, like keep benefiting short term from, from some of the, uh, the high merchant prices. You, you did mention that you want to add batteries in, in Chile, and obviously that's that would uh, uh, give you some flexibility to um, to take advantage of price differences during the day. But can you just comment on um, sure. whether this is a good environment to lock in prices? Sure. Um, I'll, I'll start with Texas. Texas is a, is a place where it's. Um, um, very volatile as, as we as we've seen and and, and believe me i have been burned and and uh it won't happen again so the beauty of being a merchant is that you don't have any any obligation to deliver the the uh, the nice thing about uh other ppa uh technically like just like the one we have with ford is that we would uh, be also, uh, if, if we can, it, it, the PPA that we'd like to have is as produced, right? We, we don't wanna get in Texas again with firm obligation to deliver and being forced to buy on the market when the volatility can be so high. So unless we find a, a as produced uh, PPA that makes sense for Griffin Trail, uh, we will not commit to the same type of project uh, of uh, commitment that, that that we had in uh, in Shannon and in Flattop or in in CB. So we're happy now with with what we're seeing. Uh, the last uh, quarter, uh, on average, uh, we uh, we reached something around 30 bucks for Griffin Trail, uh, and this is net of basis. We 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 were. You know, we, we're delivering on, on the node, so we don't have any obligation to deliver on a hub somewhere else. So we don't have basis exposure, and for the time being, we're happy with it. It's uh, it's uh, higher than we had expected, and uh, we're not in a rush unless we can find an as produce uh, 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 PPA. Now, for Chile, is a little bit of a different story. Uh, Chile uh, price have been coming up. There's a lot of curve in, in the what we have gives you as guidance for Lican as an example, or even for AIMA uh, portfolio are based on a on on a I would say a, a mix of a curve that are showing reduced price uh, starting next year for a couple of years. The idea behind this is that uh, old PPA had been signed uh, a few years ago, and their COD are supposed to be in those two years. Now, that being said, those PPA were signed at very low pricing, hoping that solar and battery uh, price would have calmed down even more than what we have seen lately. So my view is that this won't happen, and uh, there will be an acceleration also on decarbonization of the uh, of the economy in Chile. Um, and uh, I think that uh, Next year, we'll probably see even better opportunity to lock uh, a long-term PPA. Um, for the time being, we, we've seen some pricing during summertime in evening and night at uh, $110, $120 per megawatt hour. So 
So it's not a bad deal to be merchant these days in, in Chile. Natural price, uh, na gas of natural price, natural gas price has gone up, as you know. Chile doesn't have any, so they have to import it in LNG. They'll be competing against uh, Europe and many other countries that need natural gas these days. So I don't see any weakness in the natural gas price uh, going forward in, uh, in, in the next few months. So we're not in a rush to sign. We have a lot of incoming calls to sign PPA in Chile. Price have increased for four, five, ten years PPA. We're patient. Uh, I think that uh, we will have opportunity to uh, lock uh, price at uh, even better condition. That's great news on Chile. Um, I'll leave it there and get back in the queue. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Next question will be from Mark Charvin at CIBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Um, Michelle, yes. I want to come back to your comments about Palomino and Boswell. You said you're trying to manage inflation pressures and maybe see if you can get some offtake price adjustments. Would, would that be easier at Palomino, where it was a bilateral negotiation versus Boswell as an RFP? And just, just curious in terms of what capability you have at Boswell to try to adjust the price. There, you're right, uh, Palomino. Palomino, we have a path forward with the two uh, buyers that are really clear. Uh, in, in terms of Pacific Corps, a little bit more murky, as you uh, as you can imagine. Um, but um, we were, if you've seen the numbers, we were one of the lowest uh, uh, contender uh, pricing in uh, in in uh, in that bid. Um, everybody. Uh, Everybody in that group um, must be facing the same issues. You know, it's an industry-wide issue. Uh, so you're right. There's not necessarily an easy uh, process in Pacific Corp uh, uh, RFP. Um, but again, I think that uh, we will be able to find a way. Uh, we don't need huge uh, increase in, in our PPA price. We need a little bit of adjustment, not, not so big. Um, we also have been proactive to reach out to uh, potentially other turbine manufacturers. Uh, Vistas was perceived to be uh, the preferred uh, uh, bit, uh, supplier at that time. Uh, we have now reached out to others, and we have uh been shown some interesting uh alternatives that are mitigating the potential increase in cost that uh, we had seen previously so we have also means to to mitigate uh, uh this inflation by having different uh, uh model of turbine that 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 could uh, somehow be uh, more suitable for the for the site in terms of total generation so I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll find a way. We, we don't need a huge increase, and I think that uh, uh, Pacific Corp um, need that energy and are seeing also that uh, uh, the market that they want to serve with that uh, with those contracts are seeing also some increase. So it's a win-win. It's not like Pacific Corp would have to swallow a big uh, uh, a big uh, increase in uh, in their supply and not being able to flow through it to their other customers. So I'm, I'm pretty positive that we'll, we'll we'll find a solution. And just in terms of timing for for those solutions, is it like when sort of the earliest we could see a contract at Palomino 
and, and move that into the firm development pipeline, the same thing for Boswell? Well, we have two major uh, customers signed for Palomino. Uh, we had a window of, uh, I would say, opportunity uh, to show them an increase. Uh, that was a, a few weeks ago. We did show them an increase. Uh, they have selected, uh, they have another option to wait another six months to see if inflation prices uh, are still there or get uh, reduced. And then they have the option to walk out, and then we would be free to negotiate with somebody else. But to be really uh, frank, their, their, their option uh, will not be better. I mean, the price of corporate PPA have gone up, and that's a fact. And, and it's not only us trying to be uh, opportunistic here. I think the all industry is seeing some inflation, and the interest rate has gone up. So the cost to produce uh, electricity has gone up as well. So I don't think that uh, the and, and we're fair, we're open book. So I think we'll we'll find a way uh, there too to uh, to continue and make the adjustment that makes uh, uh, both both uh, parties happy. And so just based on the comments, clarity and sort of the green light to proceed on those would probably not happen until mid or late next year. Well, for us, uh, Palomino is a green light. I mean, we, we will find it. There is plenty of corporate uh, off-taker in that area. So, so for it. us, it's, it's, on, it's only getting the permits finalized. Makes sense. Makes sense. And then just coming back to M&A, you made the comments and you had for a while now that cash on cash yield is important, but also sort of value maximization. With the big accretion that came with Curtis Palmer, does that change at all the types of deals you're looking maybe a little less focused on on high cash cash or cash on cash accretion, more about an IRR maximization and maybe a little lower accretion? Or just sort of updated thoughts in terms of M&A, I guess the deal flow you're seeing and, and just sort of priorities in terms of what you're looking for on an operating asset right now. Well, we, the idea here is that um, it's always a, a balance. Of course, we. We're focused on cash on cash, but we want to we want to acquire some 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 good some good asset. Uh, we don't want to we don't want to only have the cash on cash in in our goal to acquire uh, asset. But but I think that um, it, it, it's still a good a good proposal if we can acquire existing assets that are generating cash on cash, so that give us more flexibility for us to continue investing in our pipeline of development. As you know, development pipeline can take two, three, four years to, to, uh, to, to develop. Some, some, some uh, area are faster than others, but obviously putting money up front with these projects are putting a little bit of pressure on our payout ratio. So I think that um, this focus of using m and as a tool to help us <clears throat> uh, mitigate the uh, the pressure on our payout ratio because we want to do development, because we're uh, being more active. Also, we have uh, bigger teams on, on the ground and we're seeing great opportunities. As you know, I alluded to COP26, but uh, there's so many uh, state initiative and, and corporate initiative uh, around the world, that, uh, and especially in the, in the market that we're active that we are seeing a lot of opportunities. So we don't want to slow down on the development and uh, and one tools to uh, help us not slowing down on the development is making sure that our M&A 
uh, comes uh, in to help uh, to to give uh, us uh, uh, a little bit of a help on the short-term uh, cash flow. So we're, we're open to 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 look at other type of of acquisition if they're really good. Uh, but of course, uh, the cash on cash will still be a priority when we would be deploying uh, capital in uh, M&A. And just based on the deal flow you're seeing, could the sort of the, the total amount of acquisition in terms of dollars invested be comparable to what you did this year, if we think forward to next year in 2022? Well, it's, it's always volatile, right? It depends, uh, and we... You know, we've looked at a lot of transactions last year. Our uh, team were really busy in looking in many uh, and being participating in due diligence. So it's a competitive world. So so it it, it always depends on uh, the type of opportunity and and uh, and the players that are uh, also selected. Um, but I I imagine that uh, what we have deployed in terms of capital this year can be replicated next year. But it's uh, there's no guarantee, of course. That makes sense. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you. Next question will be from Rupert Merer at National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hello. I'd like to ask about uh, development in France. If I look at your advanced stage uh, pipeline, I think you have 161 megawatts there. Uh, what, are, what are the opportunities for bidding into France in their latest RFP? Uh, what, what's the outlook for Interject there? Uh, to be honest, Rupert, uh, Jean uh, Trudel is, uh, has better a vision on that. Uh, we can get uh, back to you or to, to the team maybe by, by giving a little bit more guidance. But the idea is that by 2025, we were hoping to have four or five projects uh, being ready to build and having uh, been successfully uh, participating in RFP. Um, we're hopeful that one project might be finished by next year. Uh, and, uh, and then it's hopefully, like we said, one or two projects per year uh, starting in 2023 that could be ready for... Uh, uh, but again, it's, it's always a little bit volatile there too. I don't want to get too much uh, uh, detail on on those because we've seen that uh, we were hopeful on one and we 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 had a setback. So one has to be cautious in, in France. Um, I think that uh, wind are becoming also in France. Uh, wind projects are uh, under more and more opposition in France. Uh, local opposition and organized uh, opposition is. It's always been the case, but uh, lately we've seen a little bit of a, of a pushback there. Uh, solar, on the other end, seems to have uh, uh, also some promising, and it might be uh, more acceptable to some degree. And that's why we have also focused some of our team and hire a uh, new um, uh, colleague to develop solar in, uh, in France. We have a 60 megawatt that is not yet in, in, the, in the, the advanced pipeline that uh, seems to be very promising. Uh, so uh, we, um, you know, we're working hard, but it's long. In France, the project will be more profitable to some degree, but it's a long haul. It's, uh, it's not easy to develop in France. 
With the higher power prices in France, are, are there opportunities for building projects with corporate offtakes uh, rather than the uh, government-backed offtakes? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, that's a very good point, uh, Rupert. Uh, I think that the, the price, to some degree, now in 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 some corporate uh, uh, PPAs or presenting PPAs are actually higher than existing contract. So I think the industry in in France is even looking to potentially cancel their uh, their their utility type PPA to switch uh, uh, towards corporate, especially if uh, those PPA are, are left only a few years in their uh, in in their uh, 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 contract. So if, I don't know how long it, it will last, but uh, right now there's a very strong uh, corporate uh, PPA demand, definitely. So looking at that opportunity for corporate offtakes in France and in the U.S., how, how do you go about sourcing uh, corporate buyers in your target market? So what does that business development function look like uh, within Interjects today, and maybe how, uh, how, uh, how might it evolve over the next few years? Well, right now we have two uh, individuals that have a full-time uh, job is to just engage and, and, and look into RFP. We, we have also two person in Chile doing, uh, doing that. So this is definitely, a, 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 I would say, a, an area where uh, we will have to have more skilled people uh, in, uh, in the field. So right now we have a small department, but this is going to, to grow in the future. Uh, of course, a lot of uh, the business development people, folks, have contacts with, you know, some some corporation and, and, and what have you. So it's a it's a team effort. Uh, but one has to be dedicated also to be on the lookout for all uh, and every small RFP. There's some platform in the U.S. that are starting to be uh, developed where uh, it's a little bit like a, a, an electronic match where um, we can. Uh, we can participate, and, and then you, we, we, we see uh, some corporate uh, small RFP that are coming on a daily basis, uh, and uh, this is helping, and I think that this uh, will be also developed uh, in the States. I think that platform where uh, corporate PPA would come in and, and put their ask, and uh, IPP, uh, like uh, us, would be in a position to fulfill these uh, these demands. I think that uh, this will become a trend in the U.S. Uh, we'll, we will see some broker-like uh, 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 platform uh, being developed so that uh, uh, this, uh, this uh, match of, uh, between customer and producer uh, will, uh, will become easier and easier in the future. Great. Thanks for color. I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if there are any additional questions at this time, please press star followed by the 1. As a reminder, if you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing the keys. And your next question will be from Andrew Kuski at Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning. I think the question is probably starting off with uh, Jean-Francois, and, and it really relates to just something inherent in this business where you have variability of production because the sun doesn't shine as much or it shines more than you expected. You know, I, I guess, how do you think about from a financial standpoint, 
dealing with the deviations from LTA. How do you forecast it? How do how quickly do you adjust your internal forecasts? It was very clear on this call that your longer term forecasts, everything's intact, and you know, admittedly this is just like one quarter blip. But how fast and how dynamic are you with changing things and just addressing and fundamentally how do you think about just your production levels on a longer term basis? Well, I'll answer quick, and I'm sure Michelle, you want to you want to pick this one. So we never had uh, change our LTA view on our project historically. That has been uh, perceived that you know the weather generation uh, has some standard variation quarter over quarter, year over year. So historically, if you look at our uh, investor deck, we present the last five and ten years. Uh, it's unfortunate that recently the weather was not on our side, and uh, but we normally hit close to 98 and 99% of our LTA over the last five to 10 years. So, but the most recent years has been uh, has been not good, and we thought that the diversification, Michelle, of jurisdiction and uh, resource type would help and support to be closer than 100%. But uh, we never. Did change so when we forecast, uh, we typically like to see our assets that uh, the next quarter will be at 100%. Very difficult to predict, but uh, Michelle, I'm sure you have a lot to say on this. Well, it's uh, it's funny because we we, we had our uh, audit and 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 board uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, the board was yesterday, and 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 of course the the. Uh, uh, board members are also asking this uh, same question with uh, climate change. Uh, are we going to be affected? And then Energex has uh, initiated uh, a review uh, a few years ago. We, we're, we're serious about this. We want to understand what's uh, what's going on. I think that Energex has been known to be fairly conservative in establishing long-term uh, long-term uh, forecasts. Uh, lately, we have been challenged in a few uh, in a few ways in a few areas. There's 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 been a few projects that uh, were not uh, um, were not producing to to the uh, the standard that we uh, we had hoped. Shannon being one. Um, I I think that um, it's it's uh, it's a matter of being uh, conservative in the first place. Um, Hydro, we, we've looked at BC, we, we've looked at Quebec, uh, and we definitely looked at uh, uh, Curtis Palmer. Our conclusion is that uh, on, a, on a yearly basis, uh, BC, Quebec, and uh, New York will benefit from, um, I would say, climate change to some degree, meaning that uh, winter should be warmer and we should be receiving a little bit more rain during winter time, so hence less huge uh, amount of snow accumulated uh, during winter time. Remember that for us, we're run up the river, so if we have a lot of snow <clears throat> and that snow melts fast, it's not good for us. Uh, for for bigger uh, hydro res reservoir, they can mitigate this by you know being proactively managing their uh, reservoir and and capturing the spring runoff but for us uh since we're run of the river having a earlier uh spring and a, a later uh winter coming that means that total uh generation should be going up now the other uh, uh aspect 
uh, is that we will see drier and drier summertime. So July, August, September for our hydro facility across uh, North America, uh, we be, will be under pressure. But winter and, and fall revenue should go up and our rate usually are better aligned with uh, production in the fall and in winter time. So on, on that aspect, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable. Now, wind is a little bit more tricky, a uh, little bit more difficult to have clear answer where the wind uh, will, uh, will go. Um, if we remember all uh, a few years ago, France were, were, were seeing uh, or experiencing uh, quite uh, drastic low production, and then uh, things uh, came back to a little bit more normal uh, aspects. So it's a little bit hard, um, even with short cycle, uh, to think that long-term forecast will be uh, affected. But uh, it's something that we are always looking and whenever we're making an acquisition, we're taking that in consideration and we're hoping by uh, acquiring new facility in different area, we will eventually also mitigate any uh, future uh, climate change uh, influence on our long-term forecast. But it's something that we have on our top priority. Yeah, and then Drew, uh, in terms of long-term planning and strategic plan forecast, of course we do sensitivities on those, uh, and we we plan accordingly. And we we I put some some dollar buffer in order to 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 be covered. In in any case, we don't hit the 100%. But again, well answered, Michelle. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the robust answer, and, and maybe just an extension. And this is one of the mitigating factors uh, on on renewables. And you think about the use of batteries as it relates to solar. I, I guess what we started to see is a greater bifurcation on some of the solar offerings in the market, where you know, some utilities want to do solar within rate base and have batteries associated with it, and then PPAs they put into the market are really solar only with no battery element. How do you think Energex sort of fits into that mix at this stage of time? Well, we, Energex, is, we're, uh, I would say that if we have a good price for, for our solder on, on a PPA basis, we're, we're fine. But the, the challenge that sometimes corporate uh, or smaller corporate would need uh, some, some kind of a, a capacity or 24 hours uh, uh, energy contract and this is where it's becoming a little bit more tricky if you want to serve one customer with one asset. Uh, battery can help, but the battery can do so much for, for extending uh, solar hours up to perhaps uh, the evening. So that's why I'm talking so much about uh, the portfolio approach in Chile, because uh, in Chile, uh, the great opportunity that we, uh, we will have in corporate uh, PPA will be on a 24-hour basis. So, uh, solar is great because uh, it's cheap uh, production during the day, but then you have to have either hydro uh, storage or uh, a complementary wind or uh, battery in order to be able to serve them on a 24-hour basis. So for us, uh, I, I would say that we have also been quite uh, 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 proactive in, uh, in looking into Hawaii, because Hawaii is a great opportunity for us, of, of course, to have long-term PPA, but it was also seen as an opportunity to really understand how to build and how to manage the relationship with the utility, having solar and battery uh, components. So 
Uh, I think that uh, those are not big projects, but uh, uh, they're making us uh, work hard. Uh, our engineering team and construction team are working together with uh, the developers so that uh, we are learning a lot from uh, our experience in Hawaii and we'll be well positioned to answer future RFP uh, type where utility would ask to have solar and battery together. So we, I think we're we're being proactive and uh, and uh, these uh, solar project uh, slash battery uh, storage in Hawaii is helping us being a better developer. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will be from Naji Beidun at IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, just wanted to follow up on, on the last uh, um, point on, on Hawaii. I think there was a competitor uh, that actually decided to abandon a project in Hawaii, citing uh, interconnection costs and, and supply chain issues. I'm, I'm just wondering if you can talk about um, how you think that might impact your projects and if you would still want to participate in future RFPs in, in the States. That's a, that's a good question. I've read about that article. It's hard for me to comment on uh, their prerogative and, and why they have decided to walk away from the, their PPA. The only thing I can reinforce is the fact that uh, we were really proactive when we did bid to have a commitment price with Tesla when we bid. So we had the uh, advantage of securing this. Uh, um, some developer in the past have been more aggressive in hoping that uh, battery price would go down. That's what I alluded also in Chile. Uh, some some developer, especially in Chile, the, the price of, uh, of uh, walking out from, from a project was very low, so they saw that as an option. And they were betting that the both the solar panel price and battery price would have gone even uh, further down than what we have experienced. So I don't know about the strategy of that, that particular, I think it's NG in, in the article you're referring to. So I have no idea what were their strategy behind their bid and if they had uh, secured their, um, their, uh, their battery supply at the time of the bid, but we did. So yes, we are suffering a little bit. Uh, in terms of uh, delivery for other components and, and, and what have you, but the, the main cost uh, was the battery component, and we had secured it uh, when we when we did the bid. Uh, so, uh, you know, to be honest, uh, it's true that we are suffering a little bit on on Hawaii. I, I mentioned it early on, but it's uh, we, we we still think that the, the project are, val uh, are 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 valid, and and again, also we're learning a lot. In, in these uh, in these projects, and I think that uh, a big portion of our growth in, in the future as uh, as an intermittent power producer will be our ability to be able to propose to a customer a, a mix of uh, a source of uh, green energy and storage. So uh, we're still committed to uh, to develop these projects in Hawaii. The team has done a great job. Also, Hawaii is a tough place to develop as well. You know, we've talked about trends. Hawaii is, uh, is, the, is a place also where uh, the opposition have a lot of rights and a lot of opportunity to oppose projects, and that is not helping uh, a developer to meet the scheduled, uh, uh, scheduled date. So hopefully uh, 
the uh, agencies in, in Hawaii will wake up to that, uh, to that and then perhaps a few of, uh, of, of those projects being um, canceled uh, may help us uh, bring that message home in, in Hawaii and making sure that their processes uh, of both uh, permitting and, and perhaps uh, uh, ECO might also have to be a little bit more open to uh, some flexibility in their uh, EPA. Uh, great, that's that's very helpful uh, uh, and, and clear uh, about what your strategy or your approach is in, in that market. Um, if can can you provide any color on the um, the SMP credit rating? Um, what, why that was withdrawn recently? Yeah, well, it, it, it's um, the fact that uh, SMP has it changed over the years, and they have selected uh, some ways. To calculate the uh, the flow of funds available, and and one one aspect that we really um, didn't like is that they were using a P90 approach on the total portfolio. So so I was that, that was shocking to some degree because you know you can use a P90 on one project, but using a P90 on a on a, on a project by project basis, uh, part of a portfolio. Was shocking to me, and uh, and uh, I it was not representing, I think, the diversification of the portfolio of Energex. So, um, having the rating that we had with them and knowing uh, their bias uh, versus uh, our approach or, or versus our portfolio uh, approach, uh, we didn't think it was um, it, it, it was useful to 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 uh, to keep. Uh, um, SNP, we we have Fitch, and and I think that uh, we are sharing a little bit more uh, a common philosophy on how to um, to forecast our ability uh, to serve our debt, and uh, I think that uh, we we were perfectly fine with Fitch. Okay, so not expecting to re-engage with the SNP for for now anytime soon. And nope. nope. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, just my last question is if you had any um, uh, updates on uh, the Energy Lima integration and, and maybe uh, might be early days, but any optimizations that you want to do uh, for the portfolio and showing? Oh well, it, well, yeah. I, I think that um, we we have started to do a lot in Chile. Um, I think I mentioned it before, but when we did the acquisition of Dukeko, together with uh, subcontractor, they were forty per. 40 people uh, working on the Keiko uh, with the automation uh, and the uh, the approach uh, that uh, Unergex has and experience that uh, we have with uh, Hydro, we have reduced uh, these uh, number of people to about 14 now. Uh, we still think there's a little bit of uh, efficiency to uh, to embed it there. Guayacan had 12 people. There will be only four. Uh, by the end of next year, so there there is room for us to uh, work a little bit more in terms of uh, being more uh, efficient in Chile. Uh, financing is also something that uh, in Chile, when uh, when you're looking at uh, project by project, project finance, that doesn't work uh, very well in Chile because if you don't if you don't have a PPA or if if you want to have a PPA with a single asset. Kind of complicated because uh, you know, typical uh, PPA and Chile are firm energy delivery, 
So we think that uh, by having now 100% of the portfolio, we will be uh, looking into a refinancing or, or an approach of uh, refinancing as a portfolio um, uh, approach. So I, I think that uh, we, we will see some improve, improvement uh, by uh, some uh, with some synergy, uh, both in terms of operation and also uh, financial ones. Yeah, that's great. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mrs. Vachon, we have no further questions at this time. Thank you very much, Sylvie, and thank you, everyone. We'll be uh, talking to you in February with a financial uh, year-end result. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Merci. Ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect the line. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.